Yew trees were once used to make some of the finest longbows in Europe, and they also stand guard over graveyards, which gives them quite a lot of associations with death. But what else does the yew tree stand for? Let's find out in this week's episode of Fabulous Folklore. Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host, Icy Sedgwick, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Well, hello there and welcome back to this week's episode of Fabulous Folklore. I hope that you're doing well and I hope that you're enjoying November a little bit more than any of the preceding months that we've had. I'm going to kick off by straight away we're going to announce the winner of the Name a Plague Doctor competition. Now I did have quite a lot of entries, some of them were duplicates obviously, and when I was going through the responses I found it really difficult to decide which ones I liked the best. But I did find some that I want to give an honourable mention to just because they really made me chuckle. And then I sort of filtered it down even further to ones that I'd be happy for him to have as a name, but still couldn't decide between them, which is why I had the poll. So the honourable mentions are Bubo Diddley, Bacilla Black, Dr. Crawface Caligari, Percival Perfidy, Dr. Liverbone, I presume and Dr. Contagion. So I did like those, but they weren't really the kind of things I was looking for for the mascot, so I just wanted to give those ones an honourable mention because they really did give me a good chuckle, particularly Bubo Diddley. Now the actual contenders for the name, and all of these have Doctor at the beginning, were Perveglia, Afflictus, Orinoco, Boyd, which stands for Bring Out Your Dead, Pliny, Sepulchre, and Paracelsus. Now I liked all of them and I would have been more than happy to have chosen any of them but because I couldn't actually decide that was why we had the poll. Now I am quite sad to say that there was a little bit of evidence of potential voter fraud because obviously at my end I could see like when votes actually went in and there were sort of four votes in the space of a minute for the same name which did look a little bit suspicious but it doesn't really matter because that one didn't win anyway. So I am proud to announce that the winner was Dr Boyd, Bring Out Your Dead. So I will be contacting Steve Sanderson, who suggested that one as the winner of the competition. So well done, you have named the Fabulous Folklore mascot and you have also won a signed copy of my short story collection, Black Dog and Other Gothic Tales. So without any further ado, I think we can actually move on to the rest of the episode now. So the yew tree, or Taxus baccata to give it its proper name, is a very poisonous tree and it does appear in both English legend and folklore. It does appear in other people's folklore and legends as well. And it was the source of the wood for our famous longbows, and it does stand guard over churchyards and sacred sites. Now, the trees do grow to quite ancient ages compared to other trees, and some people do believe that they're actually as old as 2,500 years. It is quite difficult to date them when their ancient heartwood rots away, but dendrochronologists do believe that some of the British examples are definitely at least 2,000 years old. But is their deathly reputation entirely deserved or have they actually earned their place in our national folklore? Well, the toxicity of trees means that they rarely appear in folk remedies or herbal medicine, which is probably a good thing, quite frankly. 
But that said, the craftsman did use its wood to make these long bows in medieval England. Now, the slow growth of the yew makes its wood quite tight-grained and tough. So its value to archers lies in its combination of both the heartwood and the sapwood. So the heartwood withstands compression and easily returns to its original shape, which is ideal for a bow. And then the sapwood withstands tension, which stops the heartwood from breaking. So putting those two things together and you get these amazing bows. But they do have historical connections that go beyond longbows. And according to Paul Kendall, the Fortingall Yew in Glen Lyon, Scotland, is believed to be anywhere between 2,000 and 9,000 years old. It's obviously not likely to be 9,000, but that's what people believe. And in one legend, Pontius Pilate was either born under the tree or played in its branches as a child. Now, the Romans didn't fully invade the UK until 43 AD, but groups of Romans had been visiting the island from around 55 BC. So it is entirely possible that Pilate's father might have heard the news of his son's birth while he visited Fortingall, and the legend may have just simply distorted the facts as they often do. Now, the toxic reputation of the yew tree does somewhat precede it, and Shakespeare mentions you in Macbeth because it is used in The Murderous King's Deadly Portion, which includes slips of yew silvered in the moon's eclipse. And there is actually a belief that the Celts brought the yew to Britain from Spain, whereas M.R. Lee points out that Julius Caesar had claimed that the yew was sacred to the Druids. So according to Caesar, the Druids always had the yews, and a Druid priest would sit beneath the tree where he dispensed his wisdom. Now, obviously, we do have to kind of take what the Romans say about the Druids with a bit of a pinch of salt because the Romans were trying to wipe them out. So clearly, as the victors, the Romans are going to say whatever they want about the Druids and we pretty much have to just take their word for it because we don't have anything from the Druids. So do please bear that in mind when you read sources about the Druids. If they came from the Romans, they're possibly not quite accurate, that's all I'm going to say. But somewhere along the line, the tree also became associated with immortality and even divinity. And MRLA recounts a tale in which a Yorkshire priest allegedly tried it on with a virgin who rightly refused his advances. And in a fit of paddy, he beheaded her and then hides her head in a yew tree. Now, yew trees often grow these peculiar hair-like fibrous growths on both their roots and under the bark. So pilgrims started coming to the yew tree where this unfortunate head was being hidden and took some of these growths as holy relics of the dead virgin's hair and in the tale so many pilgrims come to the tree that they end up renaming the village and Hooton, its original name becomes Halifax or Holy Hair. Now this is unlikely because obviously I went looking and according to records the name Halifax spelt with a Y not an I actually appears as the town's name in 1091. And this comes from an old English word, which means area of coarse grass in the nook of land. And I can't help thinking that that's probably a little bit more likely than some dead virgin's hair in a tree. But there we go. That's the legend. It's interesting, though, that he hides a head in a yew tree because it's considered this sacred tree. Now, if we're going to talk about the sacred side of yews, we do have to consider the fact that they are probably the most common trees found in all churchyards around Britain. And Glenny Kindred observes that a lot of the churchyard yews were probably there before the churches were built, making them an earlier gathering place for small communities. And the Fortingall yew actually predates Christianity itself. Now, Lee agrees with the theory, saying that the Celts planted yews at their holy sites, with which the Christians then adopted as a custom. But obviously, there is no way of knowing if that is true. So meanwhile... 
Mara Freeman actually notes another link between the tree and Christianity, and the ewes in Difford, Wales, allegedly bleed a red substance every year in sympathy with Christ, while branches of yew often stood in for palm leaves on Palm Sunday, and you can imagine how obviously yew branches would be a little bit easier to come by. Now, in some parishes, villagers would see in the new year by gathering under the branches of the churchyard yew, and Lee notes that in some parts of Northern Europe, Christians actually sprinkled holy water during their services from these trees. Amy Stewart goes on to explain that Roman invaders offered church services beneath yew trees to appeal to the pagan population, so then when the churches were built, they took over from the trees as a gathering point for the congregation. Again, we don't really have any evidence of this. And over on the Plant Law website, you'll find several theories as to why yews are planted in churchyards, and they really do range from quite a lot of topics, from Christians appropriating sacred sites to the trees being planted in churchyards to keep grazing animals safe so they weren't eating a toxic tree. To be honest with you, any of them are equally plausible, but because we'll never know, it helps to add to this mysterious reputation and just general atmosphere that the yew tree has. As it is, there may have been a practical reason for it, and Fred Gillam asserts that churchyard yews were actually planted to provide a wood source for England's famous longbows. Now I should point out that Margaret Baker disagrees because apparently one tree could only provide enough wood for five bows and many trees still survive in churchyards, so obviously if that were the case, surely we would have a lot more decimated yew trees than we do. So basically perhaps MRLE is right when he asserts that farmers preferred yews in churchyards rather than on their land. And I do think that that one of keeping these toxic trees away from horses and cattle is probably actually quite a fair one to go with. So we've talked so far a little bit about the yew as being this toxic tree and we do need to unpack that slightly because the Druids apparently held the yew as a sacred tree which obviously is difficult to know because they didn't write anything down but this is what people believe and this tree therefore symbolised death and resurrection in their culture. And it is entirely possible that these connections were no doubt contributed to by its somewhat poisonous nature. And these trees are often found to the south or southwest of any churches that they happen to be near. And a 1664 botany book by Robert Turner claimed that decaying corpses in the graveyard actually released poisonous gases. And these vapours would gather under the branches of the yew tree, which would then absorb the gas. And that apparently, according to him anyway, was why the tree was so poisonous. And the famous physician Galen even claimed that lying under a yew could kill you. Galen, it should be pointed out, got a lot of things about medical stuff and anatomy wrong, so we can probably ignore him for that one. But I, I do love the idea of these these trees just absorbing poisonous gases. I mean, it's nonsense, but it, it sounds good if you're in 1664. The other link between yew trees, graveyards and death was that it was apparently often planted in graveyards because the roots were believed to grow through the eyes of the dead and that would then hold them in place. Now, I looked everywhere for a definitive source for that belief and I can't find one, but it's oft repeated. So it's one of those things that people just keep repeating because they find it on a blog post and then somebody else repeats it and someone else repeats it and it's really hard to find where it came from. I don't know if it's true, but that is indeed what people apparently think. And by the 19th century, the trees really had become a symbol of death. It's hardly surprising that they're one of my favourites, isn't it? And if someone brought you into the house among the Christmas decorations, those in Suffolk believed that it would herald a death in the family before the year ended. Probably if you were chewing on them, I'm guessing. But in Derbyshire, people actually intentionally wove you among their evergreen decorations used specifically around the window. So it's quite interesting how two completely different counties would have two completely different approaches to the same tree. 
and when a fierce storm toppled an ancient tree in Selborne in 1990, locals actually found bones tangled among its roots. So that may go some way towards explaining the idea of the, the roots growing through the bones, but now who knows? Because Alfred Lord Tennyson actually described the yew thus. Thy fibres net the dreamless head, thy roots are wrapped around the bones. So if Lord Tennyson even knew that the, the yew tree's roots would wrap around bones, then it is possible that that one has a little bit of element of truth to it. But I should point out that the tree does grow in quite an unusual fashion because its branches essentially grow downwards and then when they reach the ground, they actually then form new stems and then those branches grow into separate but linked trunks. So you can look at an entire stand of yew trees and not really know if you're looking at one yew tree or several. And unsurprisingly, the somewhat regenerative nature of the tree does link it with resurrection and the tree does then sometimes symbolise the cycle of life. The tree is sacred to Hecate, one of the guardians of the underworld and beloved favourite of witches. And in the Fens, locals actually believe that people should avoid yew trees because they sheltered witches. And at Istrad Glenays in Wales, and I'm so, so sorry if I've mangled that pronunciation, the groundsmen actually keep the ewes pruned because of one of their local legends. And in this one, it states that the world will end when the smallest ewe in the churchyard grows as high as the belfry. So who knows if they've checked it in 2020. Now, I should point out that there are other uses for this tree, despite the fact that it is so toxic. And Margaret Baker claims that the yew is one of Ireland's five magical trees. And she thinks it easily rivals oak, elder, rowan and hawthorn. Incidentally, obviously, we did do rowan last week. We are doing elder next week and then hawthorn at the end of November, just in case you were wondering. But this is the thing. The yew doesn't just herald doom and gloom. The trees protect houses, so it's actually considered bad luck to cut one down. And in Spain, people would hang the branches from balconies to protect against lightning. And they also guarded against fire in the Hebrides when mingled with roof thatch. So if you are fascinated by how people use different things to protect their homes, and obviously please don't try and use this in lieu of a burglar alarm, but if you are interested in home protection using folklore, then don't forget there is my free guide that you can grab if you sign up using the link in the show notes. So moving on from home protection, in other parts of the century, people would actually gather yew branches at Easter and then they would hang them in the kitchen to prevent heavy bread. I'm not massively sure how that one works, but that is indeed what the superstition says. And people would also use the branches in dowsing. And Glenny Kindred notes a peculiar belief in Northern Scotland. If a person held a branch in their left hand, they could speak to anyone without that person being able to hear, although anyone else present could, which is a bit of a strange one, but that is indeed what it says. So while the tree is deeply poisonous, its extract does actually bear anti-tumour properties and medical trials use Taxol, which is derived from it, to fight ovarian, lung and breast cancers. So that's all quite helpful. So in a way, it is quite fitting that this deathly tree that represents resurrection would also have somewhat life-giving properties as well. Now, I do think that the yew tree is a magical and ancient guardian in the British landscape. And if you do maintain healthy caution of their toxicity, they are incredibly fascinating trees to investigate. And I'm very fond of the massive specimens in Jesmond Old Cemetery. So if ever you do see one, try greeting one and you never know what might happen. Because these silent gods always do seem to have such character. That's the end of this week's episode, looking at the yew tree. As I said earlier, we will be doing the elder next week and then the hawthorn at the end of November. So we've got two trees very much associated with the land of the fairies and all things magical. So a bit of a change of pace from the yew tree and all of its death association. So we're going into the land of the fairies next week and the week after. 
So if you do have any requests, please do let me know. We are going to be looking at various ghost stories and types of ghosts and things like that in December because obviously December is the time for all things ghostly. And with that in mind, I will be doing a talk about why we tell ghost stories at midwinter for Cresswell Crags. So I'll drop more information about that when I've got it. So without any further ado, as always, if you would like to support the podcast and help me keep it going, then please do consider becoming a member of the Fabulous Folklore family over on Patreon for extra content and stuff. And I will be jazzing up the bonuses a little bit in the new year, so there will be extra stuff as well for supporting. In the meantime, though, congratulations again to Steve Sanderson for suggesting and winning the competition with Dr Boyd for The Plague Doctor. And I hope that you have a marvellous week ahead, and I will see you soon. Cheerio! Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com. And that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead and I'll see you soon. Cheerio.